Our Bible reading is from Romans 8, verses 35 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Recently, my youngest daughter sent me an essay to read for her master's degree on conflict. It's one of the privileges of being a parent. The title was, The more we can reduce conflict, the more real peace becomes achievable. Do you agree? To her credit, it was a really interesting, well-written discussion on a subject that we're all familiar with and never seems far away from us, whether it's localised conflict in terms of relationships or the international conflicts we see abroad between nations and ethnic groups. Our daily news is full of stories of conflict at every level. Since 1945, there have been only 26 days of peace where no war is waged between two states here on Earth. And on a day when our island celebrates liberation from German occupation, we're mindful of millions of people around the world desperate for real peace. The great disconnect seems to be centred on political attempts to reduce conflict. Whereas, it seems in the academic world of humanitarian aid, attention is turning to a new term, conflict transformation which is all about a fresh way of seeing conflict as a catalyst for positive social change. And as I was reading this essay, it, it got me thinking, conflict? Transformation? Well, the Bible's been talking about this for over 2,000 years as a catalyst for positive spiritual as well as social change, and it's called the love of God. In fact, more than it, it's called the everlasting love of God, in which no conflict or anything else, as Paul writes in Romans 8, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 39. And herein lies the truth. Only God's love can ever reduce conflict in the world. And only God's love can ever bring real and lasting peace. It is God's love that transforms us to live the abundant life of liberation that he has 
for us and that Tim spoke so brilliantly about last week and if you've not heard his talk do take time to listen to last week's talk. But I want us to think about this week this love, this transforming love and what it means for us. Romans 8 is an amazing chapter. The backdrop is conflict. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And addressing, if you like, this catalyst for conflict transformation through the succeeding chapters of his letter, Paul begins and ends this chapter 8 with the most transformative words of assurance. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, verse 1. And there is no separation from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 39. In other words, because of the cross and the life that we have in Jesus, we are free from the law of sin and death. Because of God's great love for us, we are forever in relationship with him. But you see, digging a little bit deeper, it's helpful to understand the way Paul is teaching these remarkable revelations of truth and reality. He employs an ancient teaching method known as diatribe, in which the teacher tries to convince and persuade his students by using an imaginary debate partner who raises objections at different points of the discussion. Actually, Paul uses it quite extensively throughout the letter and as well as throughout this chapter. And so in chapter 8, having talked about what Jesus has done for us on the cross, receiving the spirit of adoption by whom we can cry out, Abba, Father, having talked about the glory that is in us and will be revealed in us, and the Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses and wonderfully intercedes for us, as does Jesus. And having talked about that if God is for us, and he is, who can be against us? Paul then comes to the crown of his argument and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's as if he's allowing someone to stand up in the class or in the congregation and shout out, well, that's all very well, Paul, talking about love, but what about trouble and hardship? I've been going through a really difficult time. I can't pay my bills. My family's broken up. I've lost a loved one. I'm continually having disputes with my neighbour and so on. And then another person stands up and says, well, what about the conflict in the world? People who are persecuted for their faith or their ethnicity. Those who suffer from famine or nakedness or danger or the sword. What about all of this, Paul? And it's as if in response to these imaginary debate partners, Paul says to them, I know all about these things. I know about it. And of course, we know elsewhere in his letters, he does. 1 Corinthians 11, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11, excuse me. From the Jews, five times, Paul writes, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. I've known dangers of all kinds, betrayals, hunger, sleeplessness, cold and tiredness. 
insults, persecutions, difficulties, this list of hardships that Paul has known and the troubles that he's faced. And then in fact, he goes on to say to these imaginary debate partners, you know, it's written in the scriptures and he cites Psalm 44 verse 22, that from the beginning of time, suffering has been part of the experience of God's people. But then he comes to the key. And here is the truth. In all things, we are more than conquerors. And nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than conquerors. And nothing can separate us. I wonder, how do you see yourself? How do we see ourselves before God? Do we see ourselves as conquerors, mighty warriors for Jesus, victorious campaigners for the gospel, or the complete opposite? You know, Roman citizens, including probably Paul, would have been accustomed to seeing the Roman army march through Rome on a victory parade showing off to all the cheering crowds, the captured prisoners, and the power of the Roman army. But you know, when you look through Roman history, as remarkable as it is, especially this period, you very quickly see that to be a conqueror, you have to keep conquering. Victories were pretty short-lived, and in this period of Roman history, they were constantly fighting for victory against their enemies, whether it was within their own culture and society or outside and other nations. Another example, take sport. There's the classic statement, you're only good, as good as your next match. Well, I support Liverpool Football Club, proud of it. Champions last year but they're certainly not conquering Europe or the Premiership this year. You see, to be a conqueror, you have to keep conquering. You have to keep winning. But this is not what the Holy Spirit is revealing to Paul and what he's revealing to us. It's not that we are conquerors. We're not conquerors. To be conquerors, you have to maintain conquering to maintain that status quo. We are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loves us. And it's so important that we grasp this. This is how God sees us and this is how we should see ourselves in Christ. The Greek word for more than conquerors, hubernikos, it's a jam-packed, power-filled statement about our identity, who we are in Christ, hooper. It means over and above and beyond. It depicts something that is way beyond measure. It carries the idea of superiority. It's first rate. It's first class. It's preeminent. It's incomparable, more than a match for, unsurpassed, unequaled, unrivaled. You get the point? And then Nikos describes an overcomer a conqueror, a champion, a victor, a master. And here we have a picture of an overwhelming, prevailing force, an enormous overcomer, a champion of champions. And what Paul is revealing to us is this is how God sees us. 
And this is the power of God that is available to us because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and rising again. You see, to put this at our level, we, we don't need to put up with the spirit of fear in our lives. In Jesus' name, we can command fear to go. We don't need to be overwhelmed by shame or, or guilt or disappointment over our lives. Shame and guilt and disappointment is conquered. And Jesus has given us the power in his name to command it to leave us now. We do not need to live under the, the shadow of doubt or accept the lies of the enemy that God doesn't love us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Jesus did all of this because of his great love for us and for the world. But we do have to receive this truth in our hearts for ourselves, for it to become a reality in our lives. You know, this reality really hit home for me at the age of 18 when I left school. You know, fear and shame and doubt and many other things are things that have really gripped my heart to the point that I, I knew that there was a God, but I just could not see how God could love a person like me. And so when I had that beautiful collision with the Holy Spirit, when Jesus came into my life, when I received the Father's love, I discovered the truth that Christ, that in Christ, the conquering is more than completed and that I can live my, a victorious life and that his death on the cross and his rising again is more than enough to ensure that nothing can separate me from his everlasting love that is in Christ Jesus. And you see, my life from that moment on was forever transformed. The conflict transformation was discovering that I was a beloved son of my heavenly dad. The conflict transformation was, discovered, was trusting the power of his love rooted in the cross. The conflict transformation was knowing the reality of his love pouring out upon me again and again. And he was experiencing the beauty of his love every day. And I know taking me into eternity. And this is the same for you too. Well, continuing with this diatribe approach. It's like Paul extends the boundaries further and he says, can Phanatos, physical death, or Zoe, physical life, separate us? The answer is no. Can Angelos, the brilliant spiritual angelic beings, or Archai, the high-ranking demonic spirits, separate us? No. 
can enhistamine, the things present as they currently stand, those things that we face or are upon us, or mellow the future, things to come, separate us. No, can dunamis, the powers, a person or a thing that exerts force or power against us, separate us from God's love? No, can a hoopsuma, the height, something that is overhead, the sky, the heavens above, or bethos, the depth, something that is exceedingly deep, separate us? No. And to make absolutely sure that we understand what he's saying, he goes on to say that can anything in all creation, all created things in world, physical and spiritual, separate us? And the answer is emphatically no. Nothing is able, do not I? Nothing has the power, the strength, the capacity, the ability to sever, to disunite, to disconnect or cut off or disengage or tear us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And on a day when we celebrate our freedom and remember those in conflict, there is no greater message of freedom and hope than this. God's love is the only conflict transformation the world needs today. And it's the only conflict transformation we need in our lives to live our lives to the full. And the good news is, the gospel message is that God has made it possible through Jesus and all that he's done for us on the cross and rising again for us to know his love now and always. Hallelujah. What a wonderful message. Well, let me just bring this talk to a landing and just really apply that to where we're at. I'm, I'm conscious for many of us, probably all of us, that this has been a really tough year for us all. That we faced most, multiple conflicts and we've had to face them head on throughout this season. Conflicts around us, yes. But my sense is that for many of us, it's, it's really those conflicts that have been within. Spiritual ones, emotional ones, mental ones, even battling with habits and distractions that have led us away from God's love and knowing it every day. And yes, it's true. There are many conflicts that are outside of our control. And very often we suffer as a result of others, just as Paul did in his own life and experience. But the one battleground that God has made us more than conquerors is the battleground of the heart, mind, soul and bodies. It's that which is internal. And you see, when we are in Christ Jesus, no power can separate us from his love. When we're in Christ Jesus, no power can separate us from his love and certainly no lie of the enemy. God's love is greater than anything we can understand. Nothing can separate us from his awesome and consuming love. We are more than conquerors and we're loved by God. And the simplicity and the wonder is the invitation that he gives to each one of us to allow him 
to love us. To allow his love to pour in to our hearts. And I just want to encourage you today. Whatever you are facing, whatever conflicts that you're facing head on, let him love you today. Let him love the fear out of you. Let him love the disappointment out of you. Let him love the despair out of you or whatever it is, this internal conflict. And allow him to fill you with his beautiful and glorious and everlasting love. Let's pray. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to encourage you, maybe just echo those words, speak them out. Speak them into your heart. Just get the reality and the truth to literally feed your heart, mind, soul and strength. God's love is for you. And maybe together we need to ask for God's forgiveness. Father, forgive us for those times when we have turned away from you and from your love. When we've allowed the lies of the enemy, when we've allowed fear and shame and guilt and disappointments to just to turn our hearts from you. When all the time you've been there for us, waiting for us to invite you in, to wrap your loving arms around us and to fill us with your love. Please forgive us. And we ask you right now, Lord Jesus, come by the Holy Spirit and pour your love into our hearts right now. And just take a moment, allow him to come, allow his love to literally come and fill you inside and out, to fill the room where you are, to fill that space and the atmosphere with its glorious and beautiful love, to capture your heart as you surrender to him. Come Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and fill us with the Father's love for the glory of his precious Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you for your everlasting love. We thank you that we're more than conquerors. We thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, just keep receiving his love now and throughout this day. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. As I say, just keep receiving his love wherever you go today. Just ask the Father, Father, would you continue to fill me to overflowing? And you see the beauty of it. This is, this is not a selfish prayer. It's quite the opposite. As we're filled with the, the love of God, so his love flows out and actually the atmosphere around us changes and the people we're with notice the change in our lives and it's for their good as well as ours. So keep asking the Father to fill you 
with his love. And as I draw this service to a close, maybe, may I pray God's blessing upon you and your household. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, now and always. Amen. Well, God bless you. For those in Jersey, enjoy the rest of this special day as we celebrate our liberation. And have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Take care, and God bless.